radioinfluence.com. You've seen Chef Brian Duffy on Spike TV's Bar Rescue, NBC's Today Show, and opening bars and restaurants all over the world. Now he's sharing his stories, his friends, and some tips of the trade he's learned along the way. Prepare yourself to get Duffified. This is Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. Hey, hey, Friday. It's good to see you. What's going on on a little bit of a uh, a wintry, uh, cold United States? Because there's this massive storm that's coming through, this cold front that is going to make the entire country like frigid. Um, so I hope you guys are out there after really what was a truly beautiful weekend up here in the Northeast. Um, got to uh, take a little bit of time and chill out. I got some restaurant time in. Um, I got some lady time in. I got some bike time in. And I got a little bit of food time in. I haven't done a lot of food. Uh, as you guys know from last week, uh, I started this program that I clean my body every couple of years. And I'm on uh, a couple of days in to this uh, with my 40-day reset. And the 40-day reset that I'm doing is pretty cool because it, look, it's not based on food. So as a chef, it's kind of a hard thing to handle, but I do get to get a little bit creative with some of the stuff that I do in regards to what it is that I'm eating. Cause I think I'm eating a little bit differently than most people would. Um, you know, one of the big things that I'm doing this week is, uh, I got an air fryer. Uh, so I do a lot of work for GE and GE sent me an air fryer. So you know, taking my chicken thighs and chicken breast and popping them in an air fryer, uh, which is a really neat thing. Look, I, I've never really used an air fryer before, but I'm having a fuck ton of fun with it. Jesus, I can't believe how much fun I'm having with this thing. Um, I popped some chicken thighs in the other day. I eat a lot of pineapple. I'm a big fan of pineapple. Um, I love vitamin C just for my body, especially with traveling and moving. It's one of those things that kind of cleans me up. It, it, it boosts my immunity all at the same time. So I took some of that pineapple uh, juice that was left over after I cut up my pineapples and um, I poured it over my chickens and I added a little bit of my spice to it. And it was just awesome, super flavorful. Um, and in an air fryer, it made this unbelievable crust on the outside with a really nice caramelization because of that pineapple juice and that sugar in there. Did a real nice job. I was really stoked about it. Now, the only thing is I can only eat about three ounces at a shot because my caloric intake for the day is between 650 and 750 a day. So I'm very, very aware of what it is that I'm doing and what I'm eating. My drink, my water on a daily basis. I drink a lot of coffee. I drink a cold brew, um, black. Sometimes it's decaf. It all depends. But that's kind of what I'm doing right now is this reset. But the cool part about it is, is my energy level is right where it should be. I'm super energetic and super happy still. I'm not kind of down and lethargic. I do get a little bit more tired towards the end of the day. But one of those main reasons is because my day it, it has a lot of moving parts to it. You know, I mean, I'm up usually around 6, 6, 15 in the morning um, while I'm home, no matter whether my daughter Fiona is with me or not, you know, I drive her to school. So I, I either go to my, my, uh, my ex-wife's house and pick her up and then drive her to school, even though she's 16. It's one of my favorite parts of the day. You know, I grab the dog, we drop uh, Finn off at school and then boom, I'm at the dog park. So for me to bang out a quick three miles or four miles of the dog park is a no brainer for me. It's a great 
opportunity for me to get my exercise in. It's a great opportunity for me to walk pretty fast, hit some cardio levels at that same point. Um, it's a really enjoyable thing for me. Plus I'm outdoors, whether it's brutally cold, like it was, uh, you know, last week was, was, I mean, two weeks ago, I think I was out there and it was, it was 23 degrees while I'm doing my walk in the morning. And then I'm out there this weekend and it's 70 degrees, you know? So for me, it's a good opportunity just to keep that force of going outside. Um, and then even at the end of the day, after a whole day of doing everything I got to do and not eating a tremendous amount, because there's not a lot of exercise that you can really do. Realize that when you're exercising, you're burning calories at the same time. But what you're doing is you're kind of making yourself a little bit more hungry when you're doing what I'm doing, which is that reset. So I really want to be aware of what it is that I'm putting in my body. Um, this week is going to be a little bit tougher for me because, again, you know, I'm out here in, in Vancouver, Washington. I've got uh, a huge dinner to do tonight. I've got a big dine around. I'm doing some smoking. I've got a demo that I've got to put together. I'm doing this pretty awesome um, swine is fine burger, which is a whole bunch of bacon and smoked pork and pork belly and smoked brisket fat that goes into my burgers. Um and then on top of that, I've got, you know, the world of drink and I don't drink a lot as it is. I've really kind of slowed down over the last 10 years. That world of rescue that I lived in when I was doing bar rescue, we were throwing beers back, man. We're throwing bourbon back on a daily basis. Um, so my, I was very, very unhealthy. But at this point now, I feel a lot healthier than where I was before. Um, I don't drink a tremendous amount. But again, I'm out with the boys and I like to have a couple cocktails or at least a couple beers. So got to see how that's going to work out this weekend. Boom. Ready for this? Monday, Sunday night, I fly into Vegas. I get in about midnight and then I get hit the ground running on Monday morning doing a whole bunch of demos. There's a kitchen and bath industry show out there. I talk about my world with GE and General Electric and how important that relationship is for me because I get to work with some really innovative products. So I get to hang out in Vegas all next week. Um, you know, and then boom, I'm in Vegas from Monday. You're ready for this until late Thursday night. And then I take a red eye directly into Connecticut. I'm heading over there to the, uh, the Mohegan Sun um, Wine and Food Festival, which is just an unbelievable weekend. So much fun. Great chefs are together. We do a huge chef's dinner on Friday night. I do a demo and a dine around on Saturday. So that's really cool for me. And then Sunday, I get to fly back home and I'm home for a couple days. So I'm traveling a little bit less this year, but I'm still creating some pretty big fun experiences and I'm excited for that. Um, Speaking of experiences, uh, the gentleman that we're about to bring on uh, for the next episode uh, is a guy that I met a couple months ago doing some really cool stuff out in Washington. And, um, doing a couple fun things out there, um, getting to play around and chat. We became friends immediately, um, just to, I think to a mutual respect of what we each do. And plus the backgrounds of each person, you know, I followed this guy for a little while and got to the ability to, um, kind of see into his world. And that's a really cool thing for me. We're talking about Rocco Whalen and Rocco Whalen is a chef. He's got seven outlets for what he's doing right now. Food truck, very cool restaurants. Um, he's got the, uh, uh, the most selfied spot in uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is his roof bar down there at Fahrenheit. Um, really dynamic individual, really great guy to talk to. Super, super 
great dude as well as he can back it up with knowledge experience um and really kind of the cuts and burns and the bruises and scars to show where a chef has kind of migrated from and what what that chef has done over a 19 year span um you know we're gonna have a great conversation in a couple minutes and i'm really excited for you guys to listen to it so everybody do me a favor and um get ready to rock and roll we got chef rocco whalen coming on to duffified live what is this? The third week in January? This one I'm excited for. Good morning, Rocco. Good morning, Brian. How are you, dude? Doing fantastic. In the yeah, uh, main streets of Northeast Ohio, Cleveland, baby. Yeah. How about this past <laughs> weekend? What was up with that, man? You know? That was some uh, weather. Weather. Uh, you know, we usually get what you get before you get it. So we right. pass it along to you in the Philly area. But uh takes takes bold men and women to live in these parts, brother. Man, I know. I my mother's from uh, my mother's from Cleveland. I think we talked about that. She's from Euclid. Yeah, I know Euclid very well. I grew up uh, yeah, a, bur- a, a borough away. Wait, where'd you grow up? Mentor. That's right. Um, my cousins yep. live in Mentor. They all went to Mentor High. I remember, like all through the years, seeing them in like m- Mentor jackets and all that stuff. It was a big deal. It's that's that's a big deal here in Cleveland. But uh, when did you? Away from- Go ahead, go ahead. Two, two streets away from Euclid, Ohio, uh, is Mentor. So it's just a fun community, great people, great, great family oriented communities. So when did you graduate high school? 1995. So just about 25 years ago. I wondered, do you know? Uh, so you're a little younger than I am. I was wondering if you knew my cousins, but we'll talk about that off air. I don't need to throw my cousins' names out there right now. Right. Um, all right. So, uh, Rocco, why don't you do me a favor, brother? Tell me who you are. Tell me what you do. And uh, tell me how people can get in contact with you. Yeah. Uh, uh, Chef Rocco Whalen. I've got restaurants, a uh, few of them in Cleveland, as well as one on a rooftop in Charlotte, North Carolina. I've been in the business and own my own operations for the last 22 years. And uh, you can connect with me on Twitter at Rock1Chef. Same with Instagram at Rock One Chef, and then www.rockowaylandrestaurants.com for all Which, your tidbits and information. Just so everybody knows, they're great websites. That there's a video on that splash page, that first page that pops up. That's like spry energy. So when we first connected, that vi- that video hit me, and I was like, I, 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 no offense, I didn't want to talk to you. I wanted to finish watching the video. I appreciate that. That flash <laughs> is nice, but also like you know, Brian, you're an energetic guy yourself, and. We've connected over the over over time, and uh, yeah. you know I'm just happy to sit here and, and chat with you for a little bit because uh, I believe you you press uh, you press play on the gospel to a lot of things, and you, you you navigate a lot of and bridge a lot of things and subject matter with people and your shows and what you do and how you talk to people, and just tickled to be on this morning. Well, thanks, man. I'm stoked. I'm pretty. Uh, I appreciate that one and two. I've been you know ever since we met. We're not, we're, we met in Vancouver, right? At yeah, first. a while ago. Yeah, but we have obviously. Home, you know, put some culmination together with some other projects recently. But yeah, listen, man, I've been a fan of yours for years. I've watched you on TV for years. I, I, I really like your delivery. I really like your approach to how to teach people to do things or, you know, create a better environment in the kitchen or the hospitality side. So you, I put you up on the shelf with all my great chef friends in the community that uh, I love, honor, respect and cherish and uh, continue to be loyal to those guys. And you're one of them. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate yeah, man. that. You know your work. I'm not going to tell you. you I, I mean, you can read the press clippings if you want, but I know your work. You know your work. And I think you do a great job opening up the community to much more than just a cooking show or a lesson in how to make a cocoa bin. You, you kind of take it full circle for people and 
bring the real into it. And that's, it's hard to do in this industry anymore. You know, it's, it's very much scripted, but I love yeah. the fact that you just kind of keep it open-ended and you just kind of shoot from the hip and tell people like it is. And, but delivery on the backside of that too, delivery is huge and consistency is huge. So yeah. you do it brother. Well, thanks man. I appreciate yeah. that. I think, I mean, and, and it's one of the, the, the big reasons why I wanted to talk to you is because of what you're doing. I mean, there's so much, you know, look, there's a lot of chefs out there that are doing a lot of things, but you're, you're like full blown into it. I mean, I've never seen a chef who is as engaged. I mean, you're, you're in the kitchens, you're in the, you know, I mean, you're in the catering halls, you're in there. I mean, you're moving and shaking all the time. I mean, that's, 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 that's a big thing for somebody who's got, you know, an, an empire like you have at this point. I mean, you have a lot of outlets for what you're doing right now. You know what? I, I never, in my, in my wildest dream anticipated having what I have. Uh, I started small, with a small restaurant in Cleveland. I opened when I was 22 years old. What was that? 2001 Fahrenheit. It's in a great little neighborhood on the western right. edge of downtown called Tremont. The neighborhood itself's got just a ton of history. 1983, uh, The Christmas Story was filmed there. 1978, uh, The Deer Hunter with Robert De Niro, Meryl Street, Christopher Walken was filmed wow. there. So the history and the heritage of the neighborhood, and plus it's just a melting pot of ethnicity. That little neighborhood started me off and springboarded me into, you know, the first six years in Tremont, which is the neighborhood I just spoke of, I cooked every meal. I never aspired to have a second outlet or a third outlet or outlets in the stadium or the rock and roll hall of fame or a food truck. But after a decade or so of just cooking a lot of meals and making a lot of people happy and putting butts in seats, you know, the, the timing was right. Um, I opened with low capital, uh, in 2001, uh, the money I could scrape together and just kind of made it work. I'm not going to lie. I probably made a ton of people eat some crow over this 22 year old cooking behind the stoves and making <laughs> people happy, but it's all about the experiences you take with you wherever you're at and then parlay them into better things and fortune. Yeah. Today I've got uh, five outlets at Brown stadium when they're, um, 78,000 capacity. I've got a double decker 400 seat restaurant with the Cavs play. I've been a partner of the Cavs in their stadium since 2011. So I went all the way through the second, um, term of LeBron won a championship with him in 16 and the Browns I've been a partner with there since 2012. And, you know, the marketing aspect of that too, Brian is so you see Fahrenheit, you see Rocco, you see Rocco and chef, you see Rosie and Rocco's, which is a derivative. It's got a constant full circle. If you can sustain quality throughout all the outlets, it makes it real easy for your marketable skills to have people want to, Oh, you know what? We're not going to get a sandwich at the game. Let's go to Fahrenheit afterwards though, or let's catch brunch next Sunday or, you know, before the Browns game, he's running a shuttle to the game. So let's, let's go over there and support. Um, I bleed Cleveland, Ohio, but I also bleed in a lot of ways, um, Charlotte, North Carolina. So I've got a rooftop restaurant in Charlotte. That's 11,000 square feet. It's been open for seven years in February. It's going uh, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I share and split time between both of them. Obviously Cleveland is home base, but my wife and I do spend, uh, a good amount of time in Charlotte. So for years, you know, Brian, I watched the W hotel and you know this hotel and this brand and do these rooftop outlets. And I thought to myself, you know what? That's not something that I can't do. I think we can do it. And we did a nice job with it. Charlotte seven years ago was a smaller city than it is today, but today there's 15, 20 cranes going. It's uh, the new South, uh, yeah, kind of big. the heart of the mid, mid Atlantic. There's lots of, lots of Flights there every day, a big banking center, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Truist Bank. They're all corporate headquartered there. And, you know, we made go of it. Seven years ago, there weren't a lot of chef-driven concepts there. There was certainly a lot of great chain restaurants and people that, you know, have like six, seven, eight stores. But as far as chef-driven from a rooftop, we drove it home. And 
I've got 15 fire pits on a patio that's 4,000 square feet linear on both sides with 10,000 more square feet of dining. And we're truly uh, a dining destination for dinner. And then we turn it into a lounge and bar after the fact. And we're not this rooftop uh, DJ booth smoke machine kind of place. We're dinner oriented first. And then we work our way into a lounge and I got to tell you, 340 days a year, there's sunshine in the blue skies of Carolina. And you just can't do it in Cleveland. You just can't do it in Philly necessarily. You don't get that much of a weather window to do these things. And that's why I took the train to Charlotte. Now, what, now, I mean, what did you guys have family or something in Charlotte prior to? Did this fall into place for you or did you say, hey, I want to go to Charlotte? You know what? I had a great candid conversation with a couple of developers in my Cleveland restaurant. And it kind of just started the ball rolling and they were looking for somebody, you know, like these, these big time outlets, like these blue martinis and these, you know, the towel group and all these places, they want to set the standard and they want to yeah. dictate the lease. Well, a guy like me, that's proven quality. You know, again, at the time Charlotte opened, I was 14 years old, 13, 14 years old in Cleveland. And I just wanted to drive home really great, consistent food, great hospitality, great service. They took a chance on me, a flyer. We took a chance, you know, Lexi and I pushed every chip we had in the middle of the, uh, poker table and uh it's made we've made good on it and uh the developer's happy um they're not as happy with me now because they want to put 12 more together and right. i'm not into putting 12 more together because there's only one brian duffy there's only one rockwell yeah, so you seriously have be, you have to be cognizant of that too like so many guys want that next deal or that next great break or that next opportunity or that next venue and you know like there's the nashville's and the austin's and the houston's and the denver's and all these great markets and i know you know firsthand about what they are but it is not easy to get up, get up, plant your seed in the city, get on a flight a couple times a week, get oh to another gosh. city, integrate yourself with everything that's going on in that community, in this community, and the communities overall. And then you got to save face with, you know, well, are you a Clevelander or are you a Charlatan? Well, right. I'm kind of both. I love both cities. Anytime I'm on, my boots are on the ground, I do as much as I can for the community. I shake farmers' hands. I keep the money local. You tell me what I am, but I love both cities, and I can. So. For me, it's not like, in essence, where, well, he's got restaurants here and there, and he's got seven restaurants, and he's just about ready to open in the Caribbean. Right. Cleveland and Charlotte, man. I can get on 77 South, not get off. It's a straight shot to Charlotte. It's a seven-hour ride from driving, flights every day. And, you know, it's just one of those things that I've found uh, some success with. And uh, I'm a humble guy, and uh, I think the root, the root of that is just quality and consistency. Yeah. Do you drive? Do you drive it much, or do you fly all the time? You know what? I fly more uh, now, but in the beginning, I bought all my smallwares up in Cleveland because I've got these yeah. relationships that were built for so many years. Um, I picked and choose where where I was going to get my equipment from. So I took a couple of U-Haul rides down there over time, but uh, I have no problem driving it. I just actually drove up from Florida to Charlotte last week based on having to get a piece of equipment up. Uh, you know, you know, Brian, like when I talk to you and I think about you and like we're renegades, like, you know, we'll. we'll I'd rather save myself, you know, a couple thousand bucks getting it oh, up absolutely. there myself than, you know, grabbing one of my boys or you and just rolling up that rolling up the coast. Just because, you know, I think that's travel and your and your your money spent on travel structure can get intense over time. And it's one of those variables you really got to keep a cap on because next thing you know, flight here, flight there, flight here, flight there, you're spending thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars to get places, and you know that doesn't hit your food costs, that doesn't hit your labor costs, that's just right. such a bomb. Straight to the bottom line. Yeah. It's so funny. I, I, I spent uh, last week, we're having issues with my smoker. I mean, I'm a, I'm a smokehouse, man, and I'm having issues with my smoker. So I'm on the ground for like an hour 
You know, I'm laying down under the smoker. I'm trying to figure the pilot. And it's a stupid setup. You know, it's sure. a timer attached to a pilot attached to, you know, a gas line. So I'm playing with the whole thing. And I'm like, it's that fucking thermocouple. I know it's the goddamn thermocouple, but I don't know how to replace a thermocouple. So I'm on Google. I'm doing all this shit. And I finally end up working with it. And I finally had to make that call. And my guy, one of my guys looked at me. And he's like, well, you should have just made the call. Look at how much time you just wasted on that. And I'm like, I didn't waste any time. I just saved money. You know, I just had to finally get that thing. And then I laid down next to the guy who's installing the thermocouple. And I'm like, I got to learn how to do this. This is the shit that you've got to know. You know, I'm putting hinges on doors. I'm hanging things in the restaurant. And, you know, my, I looked at one of my guys. I said, how handy are you? And he said, I'm really not that handy. I said, well, you're not going to be that useful to me then because we got to right. get handy. You know, you're the man for the job if you're yeah. you know? You know, and I love my... It is too, it's your face sucking on a thermocouple. You're, you can blow yourself up. Yeah, you exactly. Know? You could hit a pipe the wrong way. I, hands on the ground, you know, and it always comes back to the thermocouple, doesn't it? Motherfucker. I wish I owned the thermocouple, to be honest yeah. with you, because I've heard that term 60,000 times in my career. And, you know, people don't realize what it <laughs> takes. 198 bucks a pop, just so you know. So it was $198 for the guy to show up and install the thermocouple, which, look, that's 200 bucks right off the bat, you know? $200 less than you, you know, than yeah. you put $200 up front today. People don't realize how much it goes into getting a beautiful plate of food in front of you at 6 o'clock at night. Yep. Personnel. Sure. Equipment. Labor. Deliveries. Weather. Cancellations. You yep. know, like... Hey man, I'd like to have nine people come up on Saturday night. No problem. Eight forty-five sounds good. Yeah, yeah, we'll be there. They don't show up. Right. Those are nine seats that we could have replaced or hopefully replaced with, you know, revenue, other people. And it's like people don't have that. You know, you can say you're going to charge them. You can do this. You can do that. You're going to, you know, scold them, whatever. But the fact of the matter is, you know, people still call three or four places for that desired time on a Saturday night, and then leave two or three other places hanging out to dry and. Here we are. You and I are under the smoker. We're looking yeah. to get the thermocol replaced. Exactly. We're greasy. We're sticky. We yeah. don't want to be there, but you need it. And you're going and you're pushing and you're moving forward. And there's so many different things and so much psychology involved with what we do, Brian, that I have the utmost respect for you just in that conversation we had about the thermocouple because been there, man, done that, you know, and mind you, that thermocouple, if we try to do it one way and we actually do more damage to our equipment, oh. that's, that's that's led towards, you know, demise as well. So, well, it's, it's kind of funny the way that, you know, I, I mean, we're, we're a barbecue spot and, and, you know, being in a Midwest world, I mean, we share weather like we were talking about earlier, but it's like, you know, I, I smoke inside and outside. When it's 17 degrees outside, I have a completely different product happening that's outside. So my inside smoker is a lifeline for some of the stuff that I do. But the funny part is we were able to my, one of my guys, cause we had to do our briskets outside because my inside smoker just wasn't working. So one of my guys went out and he starts farting around with it and playing around with it. We just got a whole new type of wood in, but it's funny because we realized that we have a better product in our brisket coming out of the outside smoker. So you think but, that's due to airflow or something along well, those lines? I mean, I just think it's the way that that smoker, first off, we went with a higher temp. So I had a conversation with a woman named Jess Priles about two weeks ago. I don't know who, if you know who Jess Priles is, but she is the, she's basically like the meat queen of the world. Um, she owns a company, a company called Carnivore. 
I can't remember what it is. Unfortunately, she was, she was a couple weeks ago. She was awesome. But her and I had a long conversation about brisket and her going with a higher temp at a shorter time and then doing a longer hold on the brisket itself. So, you know, I, I said, Hey, let's pop the briskets out there. Let's get them going. And one of my guys really started playing around. But the funny part about it is due to the fact that we had an issue with an inside smoker, we had to make an adjustment outside. And I now in my mind have a better product coming out of my outside smoker. So it's like from one thing that kind of sucked for a little while, we now have a better product. I love that though. I love those feel good stories too, because you know, listen, every day we get into the kitchen, it's really trial and error. You know, nobody knows everything about a certain subject, but man, when you make an upgrade like that and you press send on that, you're, it's a beautiful thing. And you know, it's, it's a win for the day. I love those wins, man. Those wins keep us going. Well, and, I mean, and, and for you as a, I mean, for you as a chef, for me as a chef to, to, to notice that thing. And I said to my guys afterwards, I was like, guys, come here, taste this, cut into it, take a bite. Tell me what you think. Everybody loves it. And I said, this happened because something fucked up inside of the restaurant. And, the, you know, I mean, to talk brisket too, the fatty side, the lean side, it's an interesting piece of meat to cook and oh, master. God. And just to do it and say, hey, I've had success based on going inside to outside is a fantastic opportunity and observation for the world because everybody likes a good piece of brisket. It's used cross laterally across all cuisines, you know, whether yeah, it's in a totally bowl of pa or, you know, in a great barbecue stand, it's just one of those things that, you know, it's tricky and you don't just cook one and say, I've mastered it. You know, you don't cook a steak and say, Oh, I've mastered it. It's brisket an expensive habit. Oh my God. It's, it's a good an habit, expensive it's habit. Expensive. Too. It's an expensive habit, the way that we play with them. Cause we roll, I mean, I sold out a brisket in two hours on, I think Friday. And then bang, like we had to start banging them out after that. But, you know, I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun and it's a fun, it's a fun habit to play with, but it gets expensive. So, and you know, you're like, you sold out. People are like, oh, you're sold out. It's coming early, man. Brisket's hot. You know, dude, I'm a main line. I'm a main line. And I don't know if you know much about Philadelphia. I live in the Western suburbs. So I live in, I live in the hood. I mean, I'm going to let it be known right now. I'm looking outside my back window of my office and I'm looking at row homes and, you know, there's a woman out there with a lazy boy. She's got it right in front of her house. Um, I mean, I live in the hood. I'm not, you know, I'm not like, but I live in a very pretentious area. So for us, when I first started running out of brisket, I would have horrible reviews. You know, this, they, they sell brisket, but they never have it. And it's hard to explain to people, you know, well, you know, go check out Franklin's. I'm not saying I'm Franklin, but go down and check out Franklin's where they're out of brisket. They've got lines coming at 6 a.m. Yep. You know, you want to, you want to have your product from us? We'd love a pre-order. You know, I have people all the time that are placing orders online. And that's one of the great things about the restaurant business now is the technology has allowed us, especially in my barbecue world, has allowed us for more revenue because I'll walk into the restaurant this morning and I'll have orders already on my printer for tomorrow afternoon. Yep. I love that, too. You know, it's it's you know what you're going into. You know, we're going to need 48 pounds for this 60 pounds for that. And yeah. you know, listen, Uber Eats, Postmates, the shift that's been made in this, you know, people are like, oh my God, Uber Eats, what are we going to do? Join up. You know, it's not costing yeah. any more labor to put the food out. You're just going to have to have a little surcharge, but everybody's doing it. Yeah. From door to door. It's like, if you can get braised brisket from Brian Duffy at your service, like what's yeah. better than that? Still wrapped in paper, you know, it's like a beautiful thing. So I think guys like you and I have to uh, continue the conversation, move it forward, ideate about what's good, what's bad, what's right, what's wrong. But delivery is a whole nother world. And it's really just kind of come up and smacked us all in the face in the last two or three years and said, hey, we're part of the programming now. You need to get involved and you need to make sure that you're you're happy and 
it, it works for you and it works for me. And, you know, those kind of big conglomerates, they see it, they understand, they want guys like you and I, to, they don't want just Chipotle to be delivered. They exactly. want the dynamic to extend to every customer possible because that's, the, that's what they re- their reach is. So when you're, you're just, hitting a, you're hitting a group of people that, you know, they want to stay home. They want to sit at home. So, you know, and for me, I mean, look, during winter, 70% of my business is to go. 70%. Crazy. You know, yeah. I mean, I had, I had 12, 14, I guess I probably had 18 or 20 people in the restaurant last night. Now that I do my count, which 18 to 20 people isn't bad, but I went through a sleeve of, uh, you know, I went through a sleeve of six by nine selling half racks all night long. Yep. So racks. Yeah, fuck, dude. And that's if if everybody would get their mind off a of brisket for a little while and take a look at the art of the rib. Yep. To me, I, I honestly I think the rib because the brisket's a pain in my ass. Don't get me wrong; it's a huge. The yield alone is horrible. Terrible. What is it like? Forty five percent. Oh, I'm like, dude. I mean, I'm losing thirty percent right now on right. my briskets on my on my inside smoker. The weird thing is, I have a much higher yield on my inside smoker. It's a it's a longer, slower cook at a lower temp, but my outside smoker, I have less yield, but I, but I, I put together a much better product. But when you talk about ribs, I mean, come on, it's a fucking rib, dude. It's the greatest thing ever. Are you hungry or not? You're not hungry. Get a half rack. You're hungry. Get a full rack and sit down and just fuck it up. Like that to me is barbecue. Dry rub, smoked, wet, dry rub. Now, do you guys do ribs? Do you guys do any of that stuff in your places? We do short ribs um, okay. in Cleveland and Charlotte. We do a lot of short ribs, bone off, bone on. Um, I, I, I enjoy a rack of ribs. There's certain right. calls for them throughout the year. Um, you know, barbecue and the sensation, bride hasn't really attacked Cleveland as much as it has in other parts of the country. But um, let's, let's you know, do a this, place. The South side, like Charlotte alone. I mean, there's, there's 10 uh, rib joints I could send you to right now. There's a place about 45 minutes outside of uh, Charlotte called Shelby's and the bridges in Shelby. North Carolina. Dude, I want to meet you in Charlotte sometime. I'd love to take you on a rib. Seriously. I I would love, not even a rib rub. I just want to meet you in Charlotte and I just want to go do one night where we, you know what we'll do? We'll bring Chad. Love to have it. Dude. I'd love to do it. I mean, just to show off, you know, like, listen, every community has certain features and gems about them. I can tell you this, that Carolina, I'm not a big fan of their really wet, thin vinegar sauce. Neither am I. I appreciate it. But I tell you, man, some of their smokes and some of their meats and some of their derivatives of that and their, you know, their, their sides aren't traditional sides. It's, you know, jalapenos hollowed yes. out stuff they get into it. wrapped in bacon. Yeah, it's just a yep. different parlay. And there's a really, really great place in Charlotte called Midwood. They got two smokehouses. Their lines out the door. It's, you know, it's napkin, paper plate kind of place, which I think barbecue should, should be, be for the most part. Did I get melamine and, plates and it pisses me off that I have melamine plates. No, don't, don't, don't do that to yourself, brother. <laughs> you know, it's all I mean, good though. Like that to me, I close my eyes. That's the vision I see when it comes to you and, and that kind of barbecue and that style and yeah. bring it on, baby, bring it on as fast but, as you can and make people happy. There's a fun world. And I keep trying to get, I keep trying, you know, one of the things I want to talk to you about is staffing with all of your properties and how you're kind of pulling that together and, and how you're holding on to, and, and, and in reality, what are you doing to bring these people in? But for me, in my place, I've got a small staff. We're a one man kitchen. You know, we, we bang stuff out 
every single day. My thing that I try to get involved with my guys is that passion for what we're doing and not only just doing the barbecue smoke part of it, but really to kind of intertwine that, that culinary knowledge that we have in the food that we do. You know I mean? There's a lot of fun shit to talk about when you talk about the knowledge of what we do and how you know what? we put that in your staff. You're- you're absolutely right. And, you know, my staff consists of guys that have gone to culinary school, girls that have gone to culinary school. In Charlotte, particularly, there's a Johnson Wales campus in Charlotte that I rotate guys up in north in Cleveland, down south. Wow. But to go back and forth and just talk about, you know, real life employees that don't have that culinary degree that want to really just be passionate about the barbecue or the short ribs or the, or the seafood coming from the east or west coast, to, the knowledge is there. And, you know, it's our job to, to continue the education. I went to culinary school, but if I hadn't do it over again, Brian, I would have just gone and set off, set sail and worked in the restaurants that I wanted to work in and, you know, waited till they hired me or stage and work for free. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Just, just to say the word stage anymore in this, in this climate with, you know, nobody everything. knows. It's, it's like a swear word. Yeah. You know, it's like, we mean stage. We mean not get paid. Like exactly. I, coming up, if I got paid, it was a bonus. I didn't expect to ever get paid. I expected to maybe cover room and board, but the knowledge, man. And that to me is, you know, I've got 176 employees in both States. And, uh, you know, Jeez. I'm going to tell you, I know 95% of their names. The 5% yeah. on the backside is that bottom five that, that just got hired or I haven't had a chance to meet them yet. You know, and it's a lot of Polaroid pictures coming up from Charlotte because it's my biggest store and I'm not there, you know, as much as I'm in Cleveland, but you got to relate to your staff. You got to continue the education. You got to make sure that the, the fire is burning for them too, because once the fire stops or put out, you know, the, the intensity drops they're not, they're not into it. The passion and love can be gone. Guys like you and me though, we're gregarious. We're outgoing. You know, we, we love what we do. You can, you can tell passion just by talking to somebody. Yeah. And it's a great opportunity for me to take young culinarians and bring them on. And, you know, listen, it's like, I tell all my young guys in the kitchen and girls in the kitchen. Now it's like, listen, do this on my dime, develop your repertoire, exactly. come up with your dishes, get your portfolio ready. Get those pictures taken. You got you got selfies going. You got Instagram going. Like get your get your damn camera out and take some pictures and develop your repertoire on right. my money because your repertoire is going to make or break you for the next job and the next job and the next job. But I'm giving you the opportunity. You want to bring in black truffles? Let's bring in a couple ounces of black truffles. You want to bring right. in number one tuna from you know Kyoto? Let's bring in some number one tuna from Kyoto. I'll bring it in. I may step in along the way because we got to make X exactly. amount of dollars to bring it in, but. I have no problem with, you know, attaining talent, acquiring talent. And then it's our job to keep the talent happy. And when I say happy, you got to like, you know, we're not just the boss, we're the shrink, we're the doctor, we're the, we're the bank, we're the investment banker. We're, we're, we wear seven or eight hats based on everybody, you know, in our world, front of the house or back of the house. Good day, bad day. You got to make sure they show up and show out come time dinner service starts or lunch service starts. And, Man, oh man, it's a it's a beautiful industry in that way. The connectivity between relationships and how you deal with people and talk to people is wonderful. But um, it takes a tedious, tedious man or woman to do it. And kudos to the chef owners out there, those guys that are driven that want to work for themselves. Because you know the corporate world, the human resources department, those kind of opportunities aren't as you know prevalent as in, in some big corporations. So you gotta you gotta wear all your hats and make sure that people are just really happy about what they're doing and. I get a lot of one years, man, one year in one year out. They want to work for me for a year. And in Cleveland, there's, you know, a handful of guys I think that are considered, you know, upper echelon. And I'm not going to even put my name in that arena, but you know, they go work for me for a year. They go work for Michael Simon, right. and, you know, Lola for a year. They go work for Eric Williams for a year. 
or they go down south and you know do this or that for a year and and that year comes up and it's like an anniversary to them they're like they've done their part they've moved on exactly. but they want to get their experience and i'm not going to hold it against them um i'm going to give them that year of knowledge that they're seeking you know i try to tell I, and i say this conver- i say this to most people that that work with me or that that come in i say look if you just give me a year dedicate one year Okay. And I'm not talking about dedicating one year, 70, 80 hours a week. Like I'm talking about having a life, you know, I've, I've readjusted the way that I do certain things in the restaurants where, you know, if I've got a larger staff, I don't want the same guy closing Friday that closes Saturday. Like I try to rotate my staff out so that they can have a life. I love having a schedule that's up three, four weeks ahead of time that we can make adjustments to throughout the weeks, but so that you can live a life outside of it. But I say to my guys all the time, just give me one year. Work with yep. me for one year. I'm not saying I'm the greatest chef in the world, but I have some good knowledge. I can teach you not only food, not only technique, but I can teach you the business as well. Here's how you cost a recipe out. This is how you're going to break down. This is a P&L. You know, I share all my stuff with my guys and my girls because I want them to learn. I want them to leave and say, hey, he was a great guy to work with. He was tough as nails, but he was a good guy to work with because I learned from him. And, and, and the transferable transferable skills and transferable goods that you've given yeah. him. You know, they're not going to remember exactly all the lessons that you taught them until they're right. on their next gig. And I agree with you. I'm as transparent as I can. I can be, too. And in Charlotte and, you know, in Cleveland with my with my manager meetings, like we go over everything. Hey, guys, yes. we had a great week this week. You know, we made X amount of dollars to the bottom line. Here's what we're doing with it. We're going to spend for that new piece of equipment. We're going to get new flatware. We're going to do this. And then this is what goes right. into the, the bank. You know, you always got to have one. You know, we're on a COD business for wine and beer. You know, we're on a COD business for all sorts of things. And the industry is changing that aspect. So you got to make sure that you're ahead of the curve. There's yeah. lots of guys. And, you know, listen, in the beginning, man, check to check. We, we all knew we all know what that's about. But now I try to leave, leave a little bit of fat hanging so that my staff knows. And listen, we had a great week. We didn't have a great week. What happens when we don't have a great week? You start shaving a little bit of labor off. You know, you yes. got to take some labor down because that's what you do. I appreciate, though, what you just said. Like having we're in a different part of the industry now where, you know, you and I button heads and going at it in the kitchen for 80, 90 hours a week as competitive friends and chefs, those days are, those days are kind of gone. Yeah, they are. You know, we've shifted towards that three week out mentality of having a schedule where, Hey, Ronnie, you're going to have next Friday and next Sunday off. So let's plan ahead make sure you're doing it. If, you know, by chance, you know, exactly. time comes up and you want to work, you can pick up a couple extra hours, but we want you to have those two days off and be whole because there is no more such thing as a 70, 75 hour work week. It's got to be 30, 40, 50, just to make people happy. And exactly. you know, the, in, the industry got a bad name, Brad, for a little bit because we were just burning out so many chefs and the thunderous roars of accolades and all this stuff that you get were not outweighing how much time you had to put in it. I myself look back on all the things that I missed over the years that I wanted to be at or wanted to attend that I couldn't because, you know, the restaurants called or I just put myself in a position where it was more important to be where I needed to be based on how many hours I wanted to work, how many hours I had to work. And also just, you're absolutely right though. And that's a topic that I think you talk about with psychology, you talk about with chefs and what they want to do. Yep. And I don't think chefs need to work 70 hours a week, you know, great chef from New York city, a friend of mine, Floyd Cardos worked at, uh, you know, 11 Madison park. He's got, to- had tabla for years. Great, great of Indian, you know, ethnicity uh, chef. Um, I said, Hey Floyd, he's like, you know, I work Monday through Friday, Friday night, eight o'clock. I go home for the weekend. I spend, I got two boys, 12 and 15 yeah. at the time. I spend the weekend with my boys. He's like, if I can't teach my staff to handle a Friday or Saturday night service without me, I'm, I'm doing myself a disservice because 
the next thing you know, my son's driving, my son's right. attending college. Exactly. So for, it's a great lesson to learn, but also, you know, keep it in check as far as what you can and can't get away with. But I always looked at that as a model of which, you know, Floyd can do it in Manhattan, in New York, doing his thing, but also keep it within check. Like you look every, every Friday night at eight o'clock, man, I'd sign out with my staff and I come back on Sunday night to do inventory for the next week or Monday morning. And right. you got to find a happy medium between the two or the, or the business will take a big bite out of you and, and not give it back. I spend a lot of time with my staff on it's just, just the basics of organization, you know, the basics of getting set up, the basics of knowing what your product is. And it's amazing to me to watch the amount of people like through my consulting business, I walk into properties and I see, you know, you watch a kitchen staff get set up for dinner, but they have no idea what they're really setting up for. Mm-hmm. You know, they really don't know what their numbers are for the night or what to expect, or they know they're going to be busy. You know, my, I, I have an old motto that I've said for years so that is, you know, I'd rather be I, I'd rather be prepared for 500 and be pissed that I did 50 than to be prepared for 50 and be fucked because I got to do 500. No doubt. Man, you know, nobody I mean, likes getting it. Right. Nobody likes getting their ass handed to them, man. You're ready. Yeah. For, you got me's for 50 uh, and you do 150, 200 and you're just struggling because you're out of bok choy. We're right. out of cabbage. Out of, exactly. I'm on the same, I'm on the same wavelength with you too. You know, like I'd rather be ready to go and guys like us with small places or even larger places, you know, I like that first in first out mentality where the food's fresh, you know, yes. you're going into battle with really fresh ingredients. And if you're out, there's more in the box to grab and, and prep real quick. But also it's just over the years, you gotta, you gotta, it's a playbook, man. You gotta be the coach of the team. You gotta draw out the plays and make sure that everybody's prepared and, Man, lack of preparation will kill a man in this world, you know, oh, really will. It's the worst. I mean, it in is. my whole thing, you know, I mean, I, I say to my staff and, and you, you know, I mean, you guys, you have in reality to me, because with my little place that I've got in Philly, you know, I try to say to my staff, look, I don't have a cocktail that I can make 80 percent on. Nope. I don't have, you know, the upsellability that a lot of other places have. We have five major opportunities for revenue, brisket, ribs, pork, chicken, and then sandwiches. If we fuck one of those up, we we're we're ruining ourselves on the basics of what we have. I can't make it up on a cocktail. So we've got to be on point all the time. And when I deal with, when I meet guys like you, when I meet, you know, do you know Ford Fry? I love them. You're very, to me, you and Ford are very similar in a lot of ways. And, and it, when it, when it comes to the staff and when it comes to the business of what you guys do, it's very, it, it's very impressive to me how you guys deal with that many employees, 176 employees over two States, two cities is a major, major undertaking. A lot of people don't understand that, you know, you know and for you who know, who, who, who knows 95% of those employees names and faces and that 5%, like you said, that doesn't, you don't know. Because they're, you know, they're just hanging out, you know, they're yep. just starting out with you. You don't know them yet. That's a, that's a very, that, that, that's, that's something that deserves recognition in my mind. Well, I appreciate that. And it's one of those things too. If that 5% on the backside that just got hired, isn't, uh, they don't know me. They're going to know me as soon as I walk into the room that they're in yeah. and shake their hand and tell them, thank you for coming on board. And 
you know, understand that the management team is here to help you and we're here to make you succeed and we want you to drive and draw revenue because that's what we're here to do. And uh, it can be a very fruitful industry and it can be very, you know, you find the passionate people, you want to hang on to them and cling to them as much as you can. And just on a side note too, man, that Ford Fry boy, can he cook, man? Jesus, can He's got a concept called Saprika. He's got one in Charlotte. We laugh about it all the time, but man, his food is really, really good. And He's a talented dude. My other favorite of his has got a, a steak, a French steakhouse in Atlanta called Marcel. Yeah, man, it's just sexy. It's beautiful. Coat de both snails, bone marrow. Man, that's the beauty of me and what we do is like you know our connection through uh, the outlets that we we all talk about. You, me, Ford. It's just it's nice to collaborate with guys like that. You as well, because you know like we face all the adversity that the industry has to offer collectively together, and it's just nice to have a an opportunity to press, you know, press play on these conversations because it's yeah. uh, therapeutic to me, but also gives me the chance to, you know, reflect on you're not the only one, but also it's, um, you know, listen, I owe those 176 employees, the opportunity, the tools to navigate, make money, but also other people. And you want to make yes. sure that they, you, they realize that you're a person too. And yes, you're on the top of the ladder, you're at the bottom, you know, top of the heap and all the decisions come down from, from, from my side, my side to, you know, affect and reflect on everybody else. But, um, you can choose to work anywhere you want. You can choose to be a garbage man. You can choose to be a post office delivery man. You can choose to be a truck driver. You can chef, cook, banker, lawyer, all about choices in life. And the people that take that stride towards hospitality are, are people that understand me and, and are going to get the best of my abilities because, uh, I want to keep everybody working. Yeah. What are you, what are you seeing right now as, as one of the toughest, what, what's your biggest struggle right now with your properties? It's not so much a struggle. Um, it's just staying like, you know, I've got a 19 year old store in Cleveland. I got a six, yeah. seven year old rooftop in Charlotte. You know, I'm not the first place that people are riding off their tongue in Cleveland anymore. I've been in the neighborhood for 19 years and, you know, the biggest, baddest, most beautiful, bold restaurant could open next door to me. And it costs five million dollars to create and this, that and the other thing. But, you know, I've watched so many of those restaurants come and go over the years and I'm still just my own little fire plug in, in the community. Um, I think it's challenging from this perspective that, you know, this, this world's asking individuals to go into four year trade, four year programs, yep. college, 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 Dang. college, college. But, you know, there's a hundred thousand trade jobs out there. And like, you know, we're not just talking about plumbers and carpenters. We're talking about chefs and cooks, you know, and that long struggle to make yourself, you know, into a chef and run a kitchen and, and have 15, 20 people under you. Uh, people are looking away at that now because it's too long of a process and it's just right. not, I'm not going to get where I want to get, but by the time I'm 30 per se, and you know, listen, we need to continue to have knowledge of people that want to be the next great Brian Duffy, Bobby Flay, Rocco Whalen, right. Rifkin Puck, because without that, we won't be able to evolve the 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 opportunities and the options. I mean, look at look at healthy. What has healthy done in the last six, seven years, man? Oh Avocado God. toast on every menu, That's quinoa, right. power bowls, you know, acai, this, that, and the other. Like that alone is a segment in which it gravitated towards a new wave of culinary thinkers that want to, you know, serve healthier food and healthier options. We need to have those implemented along further measures so that the community and the industry continues to grow. Every year, the jobs report relates to culinary is hot. We're going to yeah. find you a job. You go to culinary school, we're going to get you placed, 100% placement in a job in the category. 
What's that job in that category though? After that placement of sixteen months, twenty four months in the culinary school, is it eight bucks an hour? Is right. it nine bucks an hour? Is it twelve bucks an hour? I try to give everybody, you know, an opportunity to make as much as they can. It's a ninety day grace period to start, but then you know, if you show me your licks and you got good vibes, you're gonna get a, you're gonna get a, an adjustment immediately. It's right. the kids that want to come out and make seventeen dollars an hour. They got their CIA, you know, paper in front of them. They'll disrespect the CIA, but they don't want to sweep the floor. Right. Exactly. Right, man, I sweep the floor every day, dog. So do I. I don't, I don't go through places. Like doing dishes. Without sweep. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, that's just part of what we do. Like, that is who we are. And I've had lots of guys like that in the last couple of years. Like, you know, when I'm not sweeping the floor. That's a dishwasher's job. I'm like, no, yeah. no, no. Listen, man, it's everybody's job. If I the should. floor is dirty and you're in a, you're in a show kitchen, sweep the floor. Right. Very simple. I showed a guy how to change out a faucet the other day. Yeah. I walked in the next morning and I had a whole, I had a whole, uh, uh, 20 quart stock pot filled water. I said, what's going on here? He said, Oh, the sink, the sink was dripping. Okay. So how much water did I just waste? (laughs) Let me do this. So I literally went to restaurant Depot when I bought a new faucet and the whole nine yards and brought it in. I said, well, now I'm going to show you how to fix this. Yep. You know, like, and and there wasn't a thought to that. His thought was, well, if I put this bucket underneath of it, you know, I don't know what his thought was in the first place for it, but it was, honestly, I'm glad he did it because I walked in the next morning and saw that. Did he have a eureka moment? Uh, You know, I I don't, you know, honestly, Rock, I wish he did. I hope he did. Yeah. I hope he did because I really, he's a very good guy, but he is that $17 uh, he's a project or, you know, he's a product of that $17 mentality. He doesn't have great licks. Like he doesn't know what a hotel pan is. He doesn't know how to yeah. hold a knife properly, but he came on board with me and said, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm making $17 an hour at this place. And I looked at him and said, I can't pay you 17. No offense to you, your resume and your skills do not warrant $17 an hour. No. So here's what I can pay you, but I will train you so that you can be a $17 an hour employee when you leave. Yep. And he was a good guy. And he came to me the other day and showed me some properties. And, you know, he was because he wants to buy his own place in a year. So it's like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But we're also, we're, you know, we're fighting with big world. We're fighting with corporate that is paying these dollars. You know, you can walk into Outback right now and start peeling an onion and put it through a machine for $16 an hour to make it. You are correct. You are correct. You know, do you, you want know. to do that for the next five years or do you want me to teach you something and you can make 13 and learn well and I'll give you increases over 90 days, every 90 days. I don't have yep. a problem with that. Nor do I. And those blooming onions are still going to be cut, whether they hire you or hire the next guy down the line or girl down the line. Cisco's uh, going to come up with a blooming onion that's already cut pretty soon, dude. Dipped, dipped, the fact rocked, that they ready, haven't. Ready to roll. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing, like, I tell guys this too, like, you know, listen, you know, some places you go to, you rip it open Cisco boxes and drop a mozzarella sticks into the fryer. And I am one to love a mozzarella stick, right? Don't get me wrong. With Don't a really, me. really great marinara with this, that, and the other, maybe a little called red lead, whatever you want to term it as. But there's a lot to say for that, you know, just ripping open Cisco boxes, you know, like we bring everything in from a perspective of it's been picked for us. It's been, we, we've harvested it and we're going to make it and manipulate it into something beautiful and special. You know, like, listen, man, the way of the world is this. That food that comes out of the Cisco boxes has been feeding people for a long time. You and I, especially with our age down and who we are and how old we are. I grew up on mac and cheese in Northeast Ohio 15, 20, 30 years ago because that's what lower middle class my parents could afford. Sure. 
I'm, I'm not afraid of hamburger helper or tuna, tuna helper or sloppy Joe's. I know all about those things, but I've evolved into a better conscious of wanting to serve fresh food, flavorful food, you know, and make it so that people have the aptitude to want to learn and achieve these things. And right. you know what? Get a big wheel of smoked provolone, make, make mozzarella sticks, maybe with, you know, not standard breading, maybe with tempura, exactly. How hard something is along, the, something different along those lines or, you know, and give that person the evolution that they deserve and want to. So anytime I see Cisco boxes, I, I, I lend towards, you know, no, don't disrespect towards Cisco or us foods or those fine mainliners all across the country that are corporate conglomerates and they own everything from the pepita seed to sunflowers to milk and ice cream. I just think that um, in perspective, everybody has a path they want to choose and be cognizant of those guys that, you know, my, one of my first jobs, <laughs> one of my first jobs, man, was uh, working for a guy named Telly. No, no, I'm not going to tell you where it was at. I'm not going to tell you what he <laughs> was in, but man, he said, Hey kid, stick with me. I'll show you everything I know as we've dumped powdered chocolate mousse into right. a, uh, into a uh, Hobart sure. and with a couple quarts of cream and, made the chocolate mousse for the, for the banquet we were doing that night. It is what it is. It's a memory I'll never forget. Mind you, Telly did not teach me everything he knew because I didn't right. work for Telly as long as uh, he, he was asking for me to do. But I think, too, real quick, and I'm going to go off on a, just a quick tangent here. If you want to be a successful chef, successful chef in this industry, I think you need to have not a mastery, but a good lot of experience with family dining, friendly dining, fine dining, banquet dining, hotel dining. I think those five will get you to an area of which you can parlay that expertise into other facets of the industry. I look for people that have had a year under their belt in a banquet setting in a hotel, a big hotel. You know, I got soccer kids, 3000 of them. We're doing tortellini with Alfredo. And you think, Oh, tortellini with Alfredo. It's not that culinary. You know, you're not leaps and boundaries over anybody else, but try serving 3000 kids that are hungry after a soccer tournament in a timely fashion. The skills that you learn and achieve from those processes are all part of what make you who you are as a, as a culinarian. I, dude, I, I mean, I, I see the same thing when it comes to fine dining and some of the corporate or not fine dining, but you know, f- I mean, uh, fast food and some of the other stuff. I'm like, okay, so you understand timing. If you understand the timing process of what this is, then we can move forward. We can do stuff that, you know, to move forward from that point. I love seeing a varied background. I like to see that kind of hodgepodge of different things. Now, if a guy's worked in 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 a hospital for the last 12 years, we have a whole different level of skill set that we need to talk about. But I'll tell you one thing, he's going to work clean as shit. Yep. You know, when you can find the positives out of some of these things that some of these guys have done, that's a really important thing. It's the guys that come in and girls, please understand that, the guys and girls that are coming in that are you know, I mean, I had a guy who came in a couple of weeks ago and said, I have a great barbecue sauce recipe that I want you to try. And I looked at him and said, I got my own. I've built a brand on my own. The last thing I need you doing is changing my barbecue sauce. Right. You know, it's the last thing. These are the guys that I have to be aware of, you know, in this small niche world that I have with stuff. Um that we've got to be careful of, but there's a lot of opportunity for a lot of people out there, especially in the settings that we're doing right now that we can teach them this stuff. It's great to know how to do that 3000 banquet, but let me show you how to do it so you can scale it up and scale it down. That's the stuff that I like to see with staff. You know, there's a call for every, there's, there's calls for opportunities all the time. And that, that young man or young woman bringing that barbecue sauce and like you you fuel that fire, but you also know that like, Hey man, I've been doing this for a long time. This is my yeah. dream as well. I mean, my successes are based on failures before and 
I'll try your barbecue sauce. It's it's sweet. It's sticky. It's smoky. It's everything that I want in a barbecue sauce, but it's not mine. And right. I'll help you achieve, you know, your goals and your aspirations as long as you keep uh, pace with mine. What's your, uh, what are you playing with right now? Like what's something that you're working on that you're, cause we're always working on something. Yeah. You, you know, know like, sustainable seafood is obviously a hot button item, you know, not trying to use, uh, the same cuts, um, you know, beef, everybody says, you know, like that beef hasn't gone down in price in 20 years now. It no. seems like you and I, when I opened Cleveland in 2001, I'm paying four ninety nine for, um, <laughs> skirt steak or three yeah. nine for, for seven bucks, eight bucks, nine yeah. bucks, ten bucks. Oh my god, it's crazy. Um, yeah. I try to make sure that my staff, like we had some beautiful king salmon in over the weekend here in Cleveland. I like. Um, I saw that on your Twitter. There's no, uh, there's nothing wrong with you know chemical free shrimp now that I love. And there's, there's who are you just, getting those from? I get them out of Japan. They're called Ushi shrimp. O o i s h i, and they're just absolutely wonderful. Uh, above and beyond that, though, farm to, farm to table, farm to rooftop. You know, I really love the indigenous ingredients of both cities that I'm in. And, you know, I'll ship strawberries from South Carolina up in June to Cleveland. Right. I'll take walleye from Cleveland and ship it down to Charlotte, you know, wow. during the cold winter months or bring stones up from Sarasota for both cities. I just really like to play. And I give my guys, my, my head guys in both states, uh, the lead to do what they want and when they want. As long as it comes in, the math comes in and shakes out fine. Sure. I just enjoy, you know, uh, the hot button things, man. We, we just, I think, are now coming to terms with the year of the cauliflower, the year of kale. Yeah. Um, there's a product now. It's a cross between broccolini and cauliflower. It's called cauliflower. And it's green. It's long. It's fibrous. But it's really nice. And, you know, you're talking Italian concept. You're talking, you know, roasted garlic, chilies, Parmesan bride. Boom. It's there. You're right. talking Asian with like a black bean sauce or, you know, soy reduction. It's there. Um, I really love, uh, honestly, too, just the varieties of potatoes because, you know, we go through the Atkins diet. We go through the South Beach diet. We, we go through the keto diet, you know, but ultimately we come back around to what makes people happy. Cleveland is a meat and potatoes town. Yeah. Charlotte is a meat plus three town. Right. And I make sure that I try to give the best of both worlds to all the outlets and make sure that the quality of, if there's something new that I haven't seen before, bring it on. But I mean, I try to make it so that as the calendar year goes on, we're heavy stone fruit right now because Florida's producing. We're heavy citrus now because, you know, South America's producing it. You can't buy everything as local as you want. You know, oranges don't grow in Cleveland. They'll never grow right. in Cleveland. They, they, it just won't happen. It's just but not going to happen. In the fall, apples, squash, pumpkins, all those things that we, we, we do well, that we disperse throughout the city and the country is is a great way to, you know, parlay the messaging to my staff. Um, so listen, I love, and I think there's so much room for growth in this community for Tex-Mex, for barbecue, even more good barbecue that goes above and beyond just that traditional barbecue, because I don't think like barbecue has to be a certain way. Why right. can't it be Brian Duffy's barbecue or exactly. this guy's barbecue or that guy's barbecue, or, you know, again, the, the mustards, the vinegars, the sauce context variables included that make barbecue great that it's an open-ended education process that i love yeah absolutely i mean i think for for so much of what i'm seeing across the country is really that kind of spin off of the classics but i'm seeing technique which is the fun part you know for me technique leads into a whole different world you know i may not i may not be the greatest sushi guy but i know the technique 
you know, I've learned yep. that. So now I can, I can kind of add that into other things, whether it be with the way that the rice is done, you know, the rice is a great, it is in reality, the rice is a huge part of this, of sushi in itself, you know? So once you learn that technique of that rice, then you can play along with that. You can move forward from there. So I try to say, I mean, one of my mottos, and I know you're a tattoo guy as well. You know, one of my, I've got a tattoo to my arm, which is that the, the art of the preparation creates the experience. Take that time in that preparation, put that passion into that preparation. And the guest is going to find that at that final experience. They're going to capture that, you know, the preparation, whether it be just setting up for dinner with your wait staff or setting up for dinner in the kitchen, it's that preparation that leads into that final part. And, you know, to touch on your, you know, what you're saying about the Cisco stuff, I do a huge section out in Vegas at the nightclub and bar show, which there's a lot of movements going on. And I want to talk to you about that for next year, because I'd really like to have you involved in that for next year. Um, but we do a huge section. It's 65,000 square feet now, and it's called the Food and Beverage Innovation Center. And my motto for the whole thing is that it's time to start taking the box cutters out of a lot of our chef's hands and put the knives back in. You know, I mean, I want to get, yes, it's great that we can do a mozzarella stick and you nailed it. Like think outside of the box on that. Yep. It doesn't have to be the classic Italian breading dipped in the egg and the and the flour and going in there. Like, and it doesn't have to be mozzarella. Get a set of balls and step up and do stuff. And I think that's where a lot of stuff that's coming out with guys like you, you know, that we're seeing stuff that we're seeing really cool stuff. Same thing goes with Ford. I mean, have you eaten at the optimist in Atlanta? Oh yeah. Holy shit, dude. Yeah, Are you man. kidding me? The food that they produce. He, he doesn't mess around. The guy, the cat is just on it. If you're an ATL and you go down there, you want oh. to come forward fry as fast as you can. He, uh, he does a great much. job. I mean, he does. And it's like, it's one of those things. It's, it's Atlanta. You expect the, the consistency and continuity of that many to be in Miami or LA or San Francisco and Ford just nails it in Atlanta. And I think he's just a, he's a visionary with it too. And yeah, you know, I enjoy all his outlets, let alone the ones I particularly, you know, pinpointed as my favorites. Um, listen, man, this culinary world and this culinary journey that we're all on, I would tell all the young guys and girls out there right now today, eat, 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 eat. get as much experience as you can with really great chefs, go from place to place in your night off and spend some of your money eating out and you don't have to eat an elaborate $300 meal. You no. can go and have an appetizer at this place or an appetizer at that place or an entree at this place. And just get looks, man. You know, what do you like? What don't you like? Develop that repertoire. It's yours. I've developed mine. You've developed right. yours. We're on the, the, you know, we're, we're coming off the edge of the, the peak right now, coming down the mountain almost. And these young, young cats are, working their way up. And I would say to them, just eat and enjoy yourself and, you know, appreciate food for what it is and everything it has to offer. Every ethnicity in the world has a signature dish. Find it. What is your, what's your go-to meal? I mean, I'm a, I'm an Italian American kid from Cleveland, Ohio. So I'm going to tell you, there's always a a pasta sauce on the stove with neck bones and sausage and meatballs bubbling over. So, But I mean, like go-to is, is so much, I, I like food so much. I love food so much that like, that's one of my go-tos, but I, to be honest with you, like a really well done, you know, steak with uh, hotel butter is something that I don't think you can ever re- replace. It's like right. the impossible burger. You know, Bri was like, so adamant. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I had an impossible burger about six months ago. Changed the way I thought about fabricated meat. Really? It, it did because I was, it was so close to, to the way meat tastes. Now that's the one I've had. I haven't had one since, 
And it took my entire team in Charlotte, like, chef, try it. Please, chef, try it. And I was adamant. Nah, I'm not going to try it. I won't try it. I won't try it. I'm good. I'm good. Give me a burger. Give me a burger. Uh, a good burger is a go-to, too. But I, just to have that opportunity and to, to taste that Impossible Burger, and it was really tasty. And I think there's a segment of this world that's enjoying those, and I'm happy for them. I just appreciate the fact that, you know, I can put a stove on. I can put a pot on the stove with some red sauce, some sausage, and you're coming over with your family and my family sitting together. Right. And you're digging through things. And otherwise, like my go-to also in, in, lately is any sort of boil. You know, Cleveland is a capital for clam bakes. So we just came off the fall. Clam bakes, dozen clams, chowder, half chicken, lobster tail, potatoes, corn. And that's yes. considered a Northeast Ohio clam bake. You yes. go south, though, a boil. You go to New Orleans, uh, uh, you know, crawfish boil. I love to eat with a group of people. I love to eat with my hands. I love to get dirty a little bit, but also have some handy ripes ready, ready to go. And I think that's also like in the segment of barbecue too. I mean, it's a continuity thing. It's a community thing. And, yep. you know, 10 people come into, our, you know, Ardmore, give me a couple racks, give me a couple sides, give me a couple briskets. Everybody's leaving happy and healthy. And that's yep. what I love about it. So my go-to, I would say just quickly is a pot of sauce in the stove and let's make some pasta together. It's three ingredients, you know, eggs, flour, yeah. water. We can do it. You know, we can do it together. My 10 year old niece can do it. My 25 year old cousin can do it. My 80 year old grandmother can do it. And at the end of the day, everybody's happy about it. And it's uh, we're making memories as opposed to just feeding each other. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's so much of, you know, when I talk to kids, when I talk to younger, younger kids, even, even guys that are doing what we're doing right now, the first thing I'm saying to them is go travel, man. Go leave, go leave where you are right now and go drive, get in your car and drive a hundred miles. Yep. You know, it, it doesn't off. take it. What does it take? A tank of gas? Not even on a hundred miles. You got a half tank of gas, three, you know, a quarter of a tank, go and try something different, go find something different. And you know, I had, I had a huge, uh, end of the year. I hit a hundred thousand miles in the air on American air. Like that was big for me. That was a goal that I've wanted for a long time. And, um, I kind of rewarded myself by flying down to new Orleans a couple weeks ago. And it literally rock. I'm telling you, it blew my mind. It, it exploded inside of me. I've never had a city do what new Orleans did to me a couple weeks ago. And it just, I mean, the inspiration, the creativity, the passion, the culture, the people, the music, every single part of it exploded inside of me over a two day, just shy of 48 hours. I had one of the greatest experiences that I've ever had over a two day period. One of those food and music. one of those magical cities in the United States that just yeah. one off. You can't recreate it. And you're on Bourbon Street. You're listening to great jazz. Yeah. You're going to you're going to Drago's for broiled oysters. Yeah. I mean, it, and it's just one of those. I, I appreciate that so much to hear you say that because I've had those experiences in my life with other cities as well as New Orleans. And you know what? It's just one of those things about the beauty of where we we live in the in the the, the I mean the best country in the world. But the ethnic 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 ties that come in and play are so beautiful and they give us so much more to, to reach out for. And I love the fact that you just said, get in your car and go a hundred miles. Like do your yeah. research, like go old school. Don't just like get your Instagram out, go to photos, go to open table, go to Zagat. What was Mine's good 10 tough. years ago? What's still there from, it's been there for 29 years. You know, yeah. there's a restaurant in um, New Orleans called Galatoire's. It's right on bourbon street. You walk in Duff, you got to wear a sport coat, but it's like everybody's partying. Everybody's having a good time. You're making memories, you're having oysters, you're having etouffee, you're having gumbo. And it's just like, <laughs> you know, you walk outside because it's just such a great uh, yeah. uh, 
great, great way to take in a Sazerac and enjoy the culture. And it's, it's a party tonight, you know, whether you're hosting a national championship collegiate football game, uh, French quarter during, you know, Mardi Gras, it's just a really fantastic place to go. And I'm happy you said that because that just makes me want to book a flight soon to get down there. Well, and it's cheap. That's the thing. I mean, my hotel was 140 bucks. And you you know? can't my flight was like 380. You can't go to New Orleans every other month because it's just no. too rich. It's too, it's much. too rich. And not much in the sense of dollars to get out there, but yeah. rich in the food, man. Like there's only so many beignets I want to eat. There's only so many fried oysters I want to eat, man. But man, when you go and it's to re- it's surreal for real. I think one of the other big things for me is walking. I love walking a city. Yeah. And no matter what, I mean, I've walked Detroit at two 30 in the morning and it's in the snow, which was yeah. a, a, one of the great, you know, I stopped in and had, had conies at two 30 yeah. in the morning on a Friday night, leaving a casino. Like those are the cool experiences that I try to find. And I try to say to people all the time, it's not just about what it is that you're eating. It's everything that's going on around you. Yep. You know, Tony's in Detroit, deep dish square pizza. Yeah. Every city has something they do well. You what is yours? You know, Cleveland's known for ethnic pierogies are uh, really high on the list. Uh, we yeah. stuff them with, you know, beef cheeks. Now we stuff them with, you know, beef cheeks and like uh, Emmental cheese. Um, I also think that like, there's just so much ethnicity here that Italian American is big because Cleveland's known for a, a good sandwich, just like you guys are. I mean, right. listen, if I think about Philly, I think about a cheesesteak, but I also think about roast pork with broccolini and provolone. Oh, fuck. I mean, there's so many different things that I think about with Philadelphia, and there's so many different ethnicities there that your city is such a great date city. You know, you want to go see Ben Franklin. You want to go yeah. see the Liberty Bell. You want to go do this. You want to catch a Sixers game. There's so many things to do. There's so many opportunities. There's so much rich history there. And, and then you get into the, the down and dirty of, you know, going to, you know, South Philly and, hitting some of the Italian specialty stores and yeah. just having a sandwich or two or three. And for Cleveland, it's a pierogi. It's a kielbasa. It's definitely something that's been around for a long time. And the recipes have been, you know, come on, come along and evolved over the years. But, um, you know, there's great pizza in the city too. It's like one of those things. And in Charlotte, I would tell you that there's barbecue and there's, you know, low country cuisine, like, you know, Charleston's not far away. You talk about boils and shellfish and crab and, oysters and stuff like that. That's right up the wheelhouse of Charlotte and everything that we have to offer there is just a wonderful place to, you know, rest your palate on. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. I haven't spent enough time in Charlotte. I mean, I'm a big fan. I mean, I'll tell you like the airport alone is a nightmare to me. I've had the worst connecting (laughs) flights through Charlotte that I've ever had, but I've never sat down in Charlotte and ate or eaten. We're going to eat. I've never, I've never grubbed. Yeah, we're gonna get out. We're gonna get that on a docket. I'm gonna figure out a reason why, and we're gonna get yeah. you down there. We'll get down. You're not wrong though. Charlotte Douglas Airport can be a nightmare at times. It's uh, sixth or seventh busiest in the world. Oh now. my god! I mean, yeah, obviously ATL is busier. LA, Houston. There's a couple big boys out there, but it's a it's a nightmare to press through and you know travel and connect through. But if you once get you learn it though, once 10, you learn 20, that airport, it's good. 10, 20, 30 miles outside of the city though, the outskirts is really great. Restaurants, family-owned. You know the Jonas Brothers' parents have a phenomenal restaurant in Belmont, which is where they grew really? up. It's called Nelly's Kitchen, and man, their dad can cook. Really, I'm not lying. I'm not lying, Brad. Oh, that's I'm awesome. Lying, I'm dying. And they come into town. They roll through, and it's just a really great celebration of. You know, nobody's really from Charlotte. Everybody right. kind of you know is transparent or you know it trains it to the to the place. So there's all sorts of new and great things at every turn. There's a 
concept called Sweet Lou's Barbecue that's really wonderful as well. It's, you know, systematic barbecue. He does eight different things, but man, they're, they're really tasty. And he does a spicy kielbasa that's really nice. And his sides are not just your traditional mac and cheese. He does some spetzel with some pickled cabbage. He does. Oh, I love you it. Know, yeah. He just does like, you know, fried potatoes as opposed to, you know, potato salad. And it's just the beauty of that is, uh, you know, we're all creatives, you know, the creative outlets come through on all of our dishes and all of our plates. And guys like you guys like me, guys, places I'm talking about like sweet Lou's and Charlotte, amazing opportunities for you to taste their version of their barbecue in their mind. We spent years trying to cultivate these concepts and make it so that everything we've done over the years has led to this point and this pinnacle of our career. And I just love the fact that uh, you and I can get on the phone and talk for a couple hours about food, yeah. family, ethnicity, people, because we're a people business. You know, this if I, I, I'm only as good as my line cook finishing off of a seared scallop with, you know, salsa verde on Saturday night. Right. And I'm eyeing the dish and I'm making a tweak or doing this or making a mix. You know, what you said earlier in the conversation, too, is I'm a banger still, man. I'm in my stores. If I'm at home in Cleveland, I'm in Tremont. Or if I'm in Charlotte, I'm on the roof. Or if there's a game, you know, obviously we're at the stadiums and, and whatnot. So we just enjoy – I just enjoy being there and being a part of it all. Yeah. And, you know, you'd be surprised how many people really appreciate the fact that, hey, Rocco's in town. He's at the restaurant. It's like, yeah, yeah. we're, we're also – what wants us to do? Am I getting on my Learjet and going uh, up a Lambo in Las Vegas area, McCarran Airport? No, right. I'm a culinarian and I love the humble side of being in your stores and making sure that people know that you're there. And I'm hard to miss. You know, I'm a bald headed beauty from uh, right. the Eastern Seaboard. So great things. Great, 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 great time to be alive in this world. And I think that our, our properties, they just run. There's There's a pride that happens when you're in there. And there was, you know, years ago. And I still, I have a, I think I have a photocopied page of this that's laminated somewhere in one of my files. I have no idea where, but I remember the article so vividly. And it was when, when chefs first started getting on TV, it was post Emerald kind of pre Bobby Flay. It was more like boy meets grill type world with Bobby Flay and Jack McDavid mm-hmm. during that time frame. And you and I know what that is. I don't think a lot of other people know what that time frame is, but it was like the first five years of food network. It was yeah. like that first bunch of years when that stuff really started to come out. And there was an article that was written by what, what seemingly, seemed to me to be a whole bunch of servers that said, we're so proud of what you do, but we love when you're here. Yep. We love when you're on the line. We love when you're in the kitchen because we're still educating. We're still teaching. Hey, here, let me show you this real quick. I'm watching you sear that scallop. Look at this. Think about it this way. Think about breaking it down this way. This, you know, I mean, there's, there's still that teaching component to what we do when we get in those restaurants. That's not, not not shaming you for what you're doing wrong, but it's educating you for the best way to get it done, I think. And that handshake to the guest and that communication with the guest. And, um, you know, I had somebody the other week, they look, caviar screwed up one of our orders. It was a pretty big mistake. They delivered, you know, they, they, they got there and there was something, they brought the wrong food or somehow it was whatever it was. I can't remember the situation, but I, I, I heard about it. I got into the restaurant. I immediately grabbed the right food. I drove it over to the house. And it was like this long write-up on Facebook that talked about the fact that the owner of the restaurant brought the food over. Like yeah. there's something to be said about the fact that we're in there, that we're doing this stuff, that that we've all missed out on. I think in going, so many ways. Going above and beyond will never go out of fashion. 
Yeah. But I would say anybody young getting in the industry that wants to go above and beyond, they say you're on the right track to success. Sure. Because going above and beyond will never go out of favor. Nope. And people will realize that and they will come back for more and they will, you know, it's like I tell a lot of my customers now, and there's not a lot of them, but like a customer that goes and has a meal and finishes it all and then goes and then Yelp afterwards and just blasts you and gives you one star. It's like, hey, listen, I'm the big guy by the kitchen. Come and talk to me. Yeah, grab I'm me. I'm not going to say we're going to bet a thousand every night. I certainly try to bet a thousand, but you know, sometimes we bet 750. I hope, I hope we never bet 300 or 200, but you got to understand, like I'm in this business for people side of it too. You know, tell me that you didn't agree with the cut of meat that was sent out to your table or you just didn't like it, but then tell me why you ate the whole thing. And then you wanted to get on and blast me online. It's like, listen, there's so many people coming to our restaurants with a exactly. premeditated notion of, I'm not going to have a good time. This guy's overhyped. What is he doing? I didn't agree with right. it. And then they go online afterwards. It's just like, there are people that live to give one star reviews and I'm sorry exactly. that that's the case, but I'm pretty much known in the restaurants that I hold that you know, I'm very approachable. Want to talk to you. Yeah. If there's something that there was a misstep or we didn't exceed your expectations. I need to know so I can adjust the time after the fact is only so good because, you know, listen, things happen. Other things, you know, I, uh, I have a full slate of stuff to do today that Saturday has now been washed from, from my week last week, closed right. on Sundays here we are on Monday, but get out, get out of the box and think with, you know, maybe I can tell this man or woman or chef in charge that this is what I did or didn't like, and we can rectify the situation. And I'll gladly give you a, you know, a 25, 50, $75 gift card to come back and try it again. Right. I've been doing this so long though, that I know what my expectations are of my customers. I want to know your expectations of your chef or the, the, the restaurants that are driving, you know, that I want to make you an experience. I want you to have yeah. your 80th birthday for your grandfather with me. I want you to have your bar mitzvah with me. I want you to do this with me. Let me know. Yeah. Give me the give me the goods. I'm not I'm I'm not going to be offended. Just give me the goods. I mean, I deal. I you know the the online portion of of it is so prevalent now, and we all you know a lot of us end up chasing it. And for me, I say to guests all the time when they're writing stuff, you know, please call me and let's discuss this. You know, let's have a conversation about it. You see me in the restaurant, let me know. I am so approachable. My business card is directly in front of the register that has my all my personal email, all my social media, everything is right there. If you had a problem in the restaurant, let me know. If you're having a problem immediately, you know, let me know. My staff knows exactly what to do. If it gets to a point where you need to speak to somebody, just give me a call. Here's here he is here. Talk to him right now. And I say it all the time that I'd rather fix the problem right now where I can address it with the staff member in the moment, take care of whatever it is that the problem was, than have to read it online and then have to defend myself publicly, because that's what it comes down to is that final defensive part of it. You know, whether you're 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 on Yelp or you're on Google or you're on Facebook or whatever it is, it ends up becoming a defense mechanism where we have to now defend ourselves and our staff and everything else. And, and I think that's a huge problem. Grab it while it happens. You yeah. know, let me know that you don't like your ribs right off the bat. I will either try to fix it or I'll reimburse you for that money and I'll give you a better product. I'll do whatever I can to make you happy at that point. Once you leave and tell everybody that you hated my lights, the restaurant was too smoky, it's too cold, it's too warm, my server was rude, the water wasn't cold enough for you, blah, blah, blah. Now I'm going to defend myself. You know? But also, too, Brian, like if you do have a complaint, know what you're talking about, too. Hey, yes. why didn't you like those ribs? Ah, they just didn't sit well with me. I didn't like them. It just wasn't what I expected. Exactly. Uh, Ma'am, sir, it's a rib. Tell me what your expectations were and I'll 
go through the process of how it's, you know, we cure them for X amount of hours and we, you know, rub and scrub them for X amount of hours and then we bake them or wrap them or smoke them or whatever we do. Like you're coming in for a rib. Tell me what your expectation is for a rib. And then I can delineate between, okay, how much time I'm going to spend on this complaint, how much time I'm not going to spend on this complaint, but also end of the day, me, you, everybody out there wants hundred percent satisfaction. Once you yeah. come back and open your wallet and spend some more money and tip the staff well. And I mean, that's another, how do you feel about low tippers? You know, you, you, yeah. you, you, you hit, you hit, you hit the ball hard off the wall. It's a triple. Everybody's having a good time. You know, it's the, the cream corn is creamy. The biscuits fatty, the, or the, the ribs are crisp. And then, you know, they drop 10% on the staff because that's the norm. The norm right. is 20, 22 now. Yeah, I, I, I got to know why you didn't want to tip a little bit more. And, you know, it's customary. This is, you know, well-being of my staff. So that's a concern of mine. But, you know, we get some low tippers from time to time. And it's just like, geez, Louise, you know, it's like, what happened? Was there something wrong? And no, she was great or he was great. He did, you know, it was just fantastic. It's just, OK, I don't I'm not sure I, we're on the same page. But, uh, right. you know, sometimes you've got to fire customers, too. And that's not an easy thing to do. It's not an easy proposition because there are certainly, you know, you weren't everybody that you want to have come into the restaurant, but you know, sometimes it's okay to agree to disagree with customers and, and make it so that you have to defend the staff and the low, you know, like I'm a gregarious, ambitious guy, you know, good service, even okay service. I'm still going to tip 20% because I know that's directly affecting the dinner table of that person and that, you know, the pool staff. So right. I'm just one of those things where it's, just, it's scratch, it's head scratching at times, but this industry offers a lot of head scratching moments to try to turn into positive results. You know, I've, and I don't know just because it's what I do in the consulting world or what I've done in the past with stuff, you know, I take the check and I'll write on the back of it, man. Yep. I'll write on the back of that check because that check that's now signed has to go to a manager at some point. Yep. You know, so there's somebody that has to see that, that takes a look at that and, and, and I'll say, Hey, look, you know, I really enjoyed this, this, and this, but I, I had a problem with the fact that, you know, I, I couldn't deal, I couldn't find you where I, you know, when, whatever it was, I mean, this is, you know, it's a generic situation, but I've written on checks before, you know, and, and made note of what happened in that during that scenario. I don't want to raise a ruckus while I'm in there. I don't want to get involved in all that bullshit. And the other part of it is, do you really want to be that guy that complains and grabs the manager, you know, and somebody says, Oh, I know who you are. That's not the world that, that I want to live in. But I do want to let you know that, you know, your server smelled like smoke through the whole thing. I couldn't find them half the time, but I'm not going to go online and write that review, but maybe somebody can see this or maybe uh, the server themselves could look at that because I think a lot of times when servers get bad tips, one of the first things that they say is that guy was a dick or this person sucked or I didn't like that person or this was happening instead of do I need to take a look at myself real quick? Is there yep. something that I could have done a little bit differently to change that or were they just that old guy who was pissed off? Sure. You know, or that young girl who thought that I was flirting with the boyfriend or whatever sure. it was. So there's a lot of times that I think that people really need to take a look at what it is that they're doing themselves in that business. And I've said it to servers. You know, I had when I walked into the restaurant last night, my guy looked at me, my cashier, and he's like, how about this? Three dollars on 70 bucks. I said, could we have done anything differently? He's like, honestly, Brian, I did everything I should have. Everything I should have you know we're a cashier service in this place in philly that i have i've got other full service properties that i'm involved in but i say the same thing could we have done anything differently to change that tip and think honestly about it before you make your answer so i don't know 
big $11 variance on a 20% $70 check though too. Like what went yeah. right? What went wrong? Exactly. And I got to know, cause those things are the, the endless questions that keep you and I up at night because ultimately we want our staff to come in and be a con, you know, make money, be accommodating, but also there's a fine line between the two. And there's some customers out there that just don't want to parlay the messaging and that's fine and dandy, but you know, we're here for results and I'm here results oriented. And I want to make sure that give me the reasons why we'll, we'll improve on it and make it better. Because at the end of the day, guys like you and I are making up for their shortcomings. Yeah, I'm going to make sure that that staff goes home with money because I know they do a good job. I know they're passionate. Maybe that the customer was having a bad day or whatnot and just didn't relate to what we were trying to do, but you know, no shape, way, or form. It's you know, I had a dining dash in December in, in Cleveland. Twenty years into the restaurant, I had a guy wow walk out, didn't like the food, dining dash, and I'm just like, you know, fifteen years ago, hundred pounds less, I'd be running down the street chasing him with the front. <laughs> right, exactly. Now it's just like uh, I'm gonna just let this one go. I got a yeah. full dining room with people that are happy and you know enjoying themselves, but uh, the server was like just shocked by it and just like crazy anymore what some people will do or try to get their point across and yeah. you know the keyboard the power of the, the power of the pen and the keyboard has changed the dynamic of the industry a lot because there are many 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 facets of keyboard warriors out there that want to take us down and the, the hater aid is is all over the place but in the end of it you know you don't know how much damage you're doing based on that and i just wish it would be so much more of a conversation communication is the key and I'm here for you. You're here for me. We, we can't do this without you as a customer paying. We can't do this without my staff because it's uh, a balance of me. And I tell all my, uh, my guys in the kitchen too, and the, the girls that they want to take on this responsibility of being the chef and the owner. And you got to have broad shoulders, man, because it all hits your shoulders in one way, shape or form. And when your name's on the door, the lasting impression is going to be your name and you're, you're going to be out there under the firing squad. The good is great. The accolades are wonderful, but the bad can be, you know, psychologically yeah. damaging to you because of how people approach it or what people say about you. It's, it's, it's definitely a hot button in the industry. Well, and, it, and it's hitting on, you know, and it hits you in a personal way. It does. In a lot of those situations, you know, it really does because you've put your heart and your soul I and mean, you've got a property that's been around for 19 years. Somebody's going to say something negative about it. It's going to hit you a little bit. It's going to sting a little bit sometimes, um, you know, and that's tough, but, and it's so in the moment now. You know, I mean, I made a mistake a couple of years ago. I had a guy in the restaurant who, and I had a huge uh, uh, kind of a gastro pub. It was a big beer house in center in Philadelphia. And, you know, one of my servers was like, chef, this guy's literally sitting at the table right now doing a play by play of the entire, of the entire night. And he's hashtagging bar rescue on every single one. And I'm right. like, fuck, here we go. You know, here we go with this guy. And, and I finally walked over, you know, we tried to, we tried to fix every problem, quote unquote, that he had every situation that would arise that he saw as a problem. And it finally got to the point that he was just becoming belligerent with stuff, trying to see how people would react and everything else. So I walked over and I put the table, the check on the table and I said, Hey, do me a favor. Get the fuck out of the restaurant. Get out. I don't want you here. It's, it's not worth what it is that we're doing. And was that a, that was not the best way to handle that situation. You know, nope. but I had to stand up for my staff at that point. I had to handle a bunch yeah. of stuff that, I, and it was, was I proud of that moment? No. Was I really glad that somebody wasn't standing there with a the camera? Absolutely. A hundred percent. But, uh, yeah. desperate times call for desperate measures and you don't want to yeah, make man. them all the time, but you got to do it every once in a while. You know, you're yeah. banging away with your staff hours on end. You're seeing your staff more than you're seeing your significant others. Yeah. You know, there's a right to every situation. There's a wrong to every situation or a few wrongs, but you try to do what you can. And 
there's guys like that out there trying to blast us in real time. It's like, you know, listen, this is people's well-beings here. You're, yeah. you're, you're playing with fire. And moreover than that, this is somebody that's doing the best they can, educated, non-educated, loves the industry and just wanted to be in the hospitality side of things. Right. Don't tear down these walls. Yeah. If you don't like something we do, by all means, we're going to take it off your bill and we're going to let you go on to another store where you can have your expectations met. But I also think it's two twofold too, is like the, the food network. And you say when the food network hit 15, 20 years ago, Brian, when it was just grilling with Bobby Flair, grilling and chilling and the, the King himself, Jack McDavid. Yeah. There were no ethnic aisles at the grocery store 20 years ago. No. You go down the aisle it's now, amazing. it's just like boom, 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 Mex, you know, Spanish, Mexican, Chinese, Asian, Korean, Kokuchan, Thai chili paste. Yeah. That wasn't around 20 years ago. So as the elevate, you know, as the evolution of the food network has brought everybody, you know, everybody thinks that uh, they're, they're Bobby Flay. Yeah. And I can do it's this true. to a, to a, to a better level and execute this better than these people that spent their life. This is their life's work all balled up into the meal that you're having. So it's like the food network has done a lot for us to evolve as a community and you know, a culinary side of things, but it's also a detriment in some ways because well, I can do this. I'm going to make the shrimp at home and it's going to be better. And it's like, I, at this point, you got to make the shrimp at home then brother. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, it's not going to be, uh, it's not going to hurt my feelings anymore. That's going to hurt yours if it's not up to your expectations. But again, you don't see like, cooks. Hey, in the interview process, say, have you ever burnt bacon? No chef. I don't have a position. Everybody's burnt bacon in this world. At least exactly. Once. Sure. I don't know if I have a position for you because I don't know if you're telling me the truth and the loyalty and the side of truth and faith is based on wanting to bring and get good people into the programming. So yeah. I know those at, at home cooks are burning bacon left and right. And it's just one of those things. So, <laughs> All right, Rock. So uh, when I talk to guys like you who have a couple different properties and and do all that stuff, I ask, you know, kind of a, a final question up, which is what's your average day like? I mean, with the properties that you have in multiple cities, plus being, you know, a family man and all that, what's your what's your average day like? I'm a 12 to 15 hour a day, every day guy. Sundays is dark. We're open for brunch and dinner in Charlotte. So if I'm in Charlotte, I am working, but get up in the morning with my wife, have a quick cup of coffee. She's off on her day. You know, if I'm not doing something like this with you for the first bit of the morning, I'm, uh, I'm out of the house by no later than nine, nine 30, 10 o'clock. I'm at my first store, um, Tremont, which I'll do the weekend, get up the, you know, manager logs, the reporting, uh, sales tax, you know, bank deposits, what's on tap for the week budgets, as well as, you know, get my staff set up for service tonight. And then I'll have, I'll, I'll hop onto a conference call or two with Charlotte, do the same thing. But also, depending on, we got Disney on ice at the Quicken Loans right now, which is where the uh, Cavaliers play, which is kind of like an off sequence for us. There's no Cavs games this week, Disney on ice, which is a crowd, but it's not our crowd necessarily. They're not going to have a fine dining meal upstairs. So I'll check in with them. And just particularly this morning, this January, I've been out of town in Charlotte for the last couple um, days. I'll, I'll hit the stadium um, venue do a little yearly year end wrap up, finish off at the museum, the rock and roll hall of fame and museum in the, on the shores of Lake Erie is um, something I've been a part of and had a concept in for the last three years. Now it's called all access cafe. And, you know, Brian, it's a 2.2 million visitor um, wow. venue every year. So, you know, on any given day, you know, we're ringing six, seven, 8,000 for lunch. So I'll pop in over there, check in with them. And then, uh, 
you know, honestly, dust off the apron in the afternoon, get in the kitchen, taste a few things, stay consistent, you know, get going on some production. I do like to do production because it's mindless and that's what a guy like me needs at times, you know, just going in and banging on a prep list for a couple hours. Sure. And then service tonight will be, uh, starts at four in Cleveland. I'll be there for the first, you know, 60 covers. And then the last 20, 30 covers, I'll probably take away and, and get home. But my days usually start at nine and, um, I'm in there till nine, 10 o'clock at night and it's a Monday and then that ramps up towards the weekend. So uh, I'm a 60, 65, 70 hour a week guy, I'm, you know, flight and a half a week, flight, two flights every two weeks kind of guy. And uh, the same thing goes for Charlotte, the magnitude of the size of that store and the weather down there. If it's seven degrees, we've got, you know, 80 linear feet of doors that open from a lounge into um, a um, terrace that just kind of has this. You've seen the pictures online, but it's probably the best, the best backdrop in the city. And we're definitely the most self-feed um, restaurant in Charlotte. And that just brings awesome. people up to have drinks and libations and food. And, you know, I'm an animal when it comes to segments, too. I love a good happy hour. I love a good reverse happy hour. I love a good half-off wine industry night kind of thing. So we have all those particular things in place at all the venues. And I just enjoy uh, giving people the options to come out, have a different, you know, Hey, come by and crack a bottle of silver oak. It's not going to cost you 140. It's going to cost you 70 tonight, which is right. basically co- covering my cost. Sure. I'm doing nothing more than that, but I'm giving you an opportunity to drink it on a Monday night just to promote the Monday nights and the revenue that we can uh, attain. And I, I don't know anybody that doesn't like a half price bottle of wine. So yes, our right. segments, our segments are strong in that, in that aspect. And, you know, listen, I, I'm fortunate to be in the position I'm in. I love what I do, but also I've got great people that work for me run through brick walls for me, work hard around me. And, you know, all along the way, we're filling up everybody else's cup on those 12 to 15 hour days. And that's something that shouldn't be left unsaid either is, uh, right. you know, we're here to pick people up. We're here to motivate. We're here. To, I, I want that fiery young chef that's in the kitchen with a little bit of cockiness to be me. If I can get him bought into the fact that he wants to be me, I'm going to give him the pathway to it, show him the green lights, tell him to stop at the reds, but move forward cautiously on the yellows and proceed with the highest quality, you know, check yourself at all times, make sure you're involved, make sure it's not just a, it's so much more than just the food. You can make the prettiest plate of food with, with the relatable 30% food cost, but it does not mean on the backside of that, that customer's happy. Right. You know, and there's so many different things and elements that are involved with making a customer happy that that's what goes into my day and making sure that my team has everything they need. Nice dude. Yeah, brother. Well, Rock, I appreciate your time, man. I really do. I know you're a busy guy. I know you got a lot going on, and I'm stoked. We've been trying to get this going for a little while, and we finally finally made it happen. So um, I you appreciate your up. time and hopping on, man. You are an innovator, Brian. I, it's someone I look up to in this community. It's a, it's a large community of chefs. You are somebody that's taken conceptually a, a product from a show and made it into something so much more rewarding than a regular cook show. And I appreciate the time, and I appreciate the opportunity, and I hope my words help the next person along the line. I hope the listeners enjoyed it because it's real and raw and it's emotional. And that's everything that our business is all about, my brother. And yeah. I'm happy to be in it. And I'm happy to uh, get you slated up for a day in Charlotte with me soon. Oh, yeah. And, I'm coming uh, to Cleveland, too, dude. That's You're only six hours away from me. That's what I love. Man. Maybe a little I mean, bit. But West Side, yeah. West Side Market, We, you know, you know, we got some turf to go through. But uh, Did I have my first ever Euro in, uh, in uh, Cleveland? Did you? Yeah, right down on I'm, right down on the flats. Isn't that nice? Years ago, I mean, I was probably fourteen, and I was That's like, "What the fuck is this thing?" You, you know? remember it though, like it was yesterday, don't you? Oh, absolutely! And this was when the flats were were the flats. Yeah, 
Flash are coming back around now. They're not quite what they once were, but it's close. Yeah. They're having fun. And Cleveland's just a really great city that's rejuvenating itself year after year with great people and great folks and opportunities galore. So I'm glad you remembered that. Yeah, absolutely. But hey, Rock, do me a favor. Tell everybody one more time how they can get in contact with you, follow all the cool stuff that you do and all that. Always, yeah. Rocco Whalen Restaurants, www.chefrockowhalen.com. Twitter, Facebook, uh, at Rock One Chef, R O C K, the numeral one, Chef C H E F. Facebook, Rock Whalen. Um, not on TikTok, TikTok or Snap for the younger <laughs> folks. Dude, but, I deleted uh, Snap. I got rid of all that shit, man. Just in general, uh, you know, send an email or reach out to the website. You know, all that information's there. But uh, you know, there's guys like you and I on the other side of that phone that will answer those questions and be responsive. Yeah. So that's that's what it is, man. Cool. Rock, thanks for hopping on, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, I'll reach out to you this week. We'll try to get some stuff set up in uh, the next couple months. Love you, brother. Cheers, well, brother. Love you too, man. Take my care. Best. My best See to you and the girls. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. There we go, boys and girls. Rocco Whalen. Um, I remember the first time I met Rock and we just kind of, there was a connection, you know, I, I know you guys hear me say that all the time, but I, I meet these people on these travels and there's, you know, when I was younger, I felt like the, the culinary community wasn't as close knit as it is now. And maybe it's because of the fact with all the social media and with all the outlets that we get to see, see people's day to day lives. Um, you know, we get to see pictures of, 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 you know, chefs with their kids and on the line and on a plane and traveling and doing experiences and, and all that. So, you know, I feel like I've known rock for a long time. And when I finally had the opportunity to shake his hand, um, it was a big thing for me. I mean, this was a guy that I've I've enjoyed following and and watching and seeing the stuff that he does. And, you know, I mean, this is a guy who's got a property for 19 years that is still as relevant today as it was 19 years ago. And the changes that have gone through a 19 year span are just I mean, you think about the changes from 19 years ago. You know, I mean, we're talking about a time frame where in reality that's the millennium, boys and girls. This was an opportunity or chance where where we thought that the world was going to end because the computers weren't going to be able to handle it. And people were going to lose money. And, you know, it was a really weird time frame. And in that time frame, Rocco's opening up restaurants, man. That's a big world. So thanks to Rock for hopping on. I really appreciate it. And, uh, uh, you know, this week, uh, you know, we're a couple weeks into January right now. Um, we've got a lot of really cool stuff going on over the next bunch of weeks and months. Um, as I talk to you guys right now, I am actually sitting in uh, Vancouver, Washington, um, where I'm getting ready. I'm, I'm about to go in and start prepping for a big dinner tonight that I'm doing for a, bu- a fun group of people, 40 people, a little beer themed dinner. We're going to do some really, really cool stuff. And I'm pretty stoked about it. I'm out here at the a Casino out in Vancouver, Washington. So uh, everybody do me a favor and have an awesome week. Um, let's thank the people that I got to thank, man. One, thank you so much, Rocco Whalen, for hopping on. That's at Chef Rock One. Check him out with his restaurants Fahrenheit, what he's got with the food truck and the other stuff going on. It's pretty awesome. Um, Maggie Gagliardi, who does every single one of our promo pieces, she's a beautifully talented artist at Mags Art. That's M-A-G-Z-A-R-T. Go and follow her. The boys over there at RadioInfluence.com, I'm going to say it again. You've heard me say it every single episode. If you've got an idea for a podcast, you got a 100% shot of it being a no if you want to do it, if you don't ask for it. So go and call the boys, Jerry and Jason, over there at RadioInfluence.com. 
Send them your idea. Talk to them about your idea. Coddle that motherfucker and put it together to get a good show up there. Got a 100% chance of no if you don't ask. Remember that. And then Michelle out there at Techno Solutions does all my websites for every single property and every single thing that I'm involved in. She does all my websites and my graphic design in regards to menus and promo pieces and marketing and all that stuff. She's pretty awesome. So, uh, boys and girls, thank you so much for hanging out. Look at that. Thank you so much for hanging out with us this week. I really appreciate you hanging out and listening and going through all that good stuff. Do me a favor and uh, just go out there and be nice to people, man. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Didn't get Duffified enough? Follow Chef Brian Duffy on Facebook and on Twitter at Chef B-R-I-D-U-F-F. Look for the blue verified checkmark to get exclusive content and to see what's coming up on next week's show. This has been Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. Hey gang, Jerry P. Tuck here, co-host of A Place for My Head. Each week, Brandon Thompson and I are going to be talking about the importance of mental health. We're going to be talking everything from stress, anxiety, different mental illnesses, different chronic illnesses, and frankly, the rigors of everyday life and how we all struggle to get through it. We're not medical professionals, but we are looking to start that conversation that needs to be had about the stigma around mental illness and how it affects us every single day. We'll talk to experts, but at the end of the day, A Place for My Head is all about real people with real stories about real life. Check out A Place for My Head with Brandon Thompson and myself, Jerry P. Tuck, each week on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.